Aloha, this is Abe's Ukulele Podcast, and I'm Abe. Thank you so much for joining me. This podcast is for players and teachers of the ukulele that want to get better at that. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing a conversation I had with James Hill back in Toronto in early August. We talked about the JHUI Masterclass, playing eight-note chords on ukuleles, playing baritones, and also we talked about sanding your neck. Yeah. Anyway, before that, uh, I have some news. The Connecticut Ukulele Festival, the first ever, happened on September 29th, and it was a rousing success. Thank you so much to Peter and the rest of the crew that put it on. I thought it was a fantastic event. Uh, I got to teach and play, and there were some other amazing artists and teachers there, like Uncle Zach, the Educated Fleas, and Victoria Vox, of course, with her husband, Uh, Anyway, it was just a fantastic day for the ukulele. Something I got out of it that I thought was fantastic is one of the teachers, Uncle Zach, he has these charts for converting chords from baritone to soprano or tenor, basically the G tunings to C tunings. And um, I picked up one of these charts. They are fabulous. It basically compares the chords from the C6 tuning to the chords of the G6 tuning, which is a baritone ukulele, and it shows how they are different. For example, a C on a tenor and a baritone are different, but it also compares them in the same way that an F shape on a tenor in the C6 tuning will be a C on the baritone, and um, I thought it was a wonderful resource. I've been kind of stumbling through this on my own with my own baritone. Um, We talk about that in the episode with James Hill, but this is just one of the resources I wanted to share with you that I discovered that I thought was wonderful, and the link to that will be in the description. If you're new to the show, make sure you check out the ever-growing back catalog of this podcast. There are so many great conversations and so much great knowledge. We're just really building it up every month. And uh, if you find something valuable, if you find this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, share it with me, leave a review on iTunes. Just let me know how I'm doing. Let others know what you think of it. If it's good, obviously that's great. If there's something you think I can work on or I should do more of or do less of, please let me know. You can send me an email to podcast at ukuleleabe.com. Well, that's enough about me. Let's get right into it. I'm sure you know by now who James Hill is. But just in case you don't, James Hill is, in my opinion, one of the best ukulele players in the world right now. He is also a fantastic ukulele teacher. He's put out many studio albums on his own and with his wife, and he created the Ukulele in the Classroom program in 2008 with Chalmers Dome. He is a product of the legendary Langley Ukulele Ensemble, and he has played all over the world. He's currently living in Nova Scotia, Canada, and um, yeah, he's a pretty awesome guy. So I'm here once again in Toronto 
Um, talking to James Hill. Hello. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Thanks for sitting down with me again. You're welcome. You're actually the first person to be on the podcast twice. Wow, cool. So I don't have a badge for you, but if I had like a <laughs> sticker or something... I'd wear it. You'd get it. Or maybe I can do something where like if you're on the show five times, you get a shirt. Yeah, or get like a 20% discount on your next coffee. Yes, that would be awesome. So we're here for the uh, JHUI masterclass and conference workshop thing. For those of you that don't know, I mention it sometimes. It's basically like, I think of it like the Suzuki method of ukulele Mm because it's basically a curriculum. You start here. You study a lot, and then you spend a year working on it, turning in your homework online and all sorts of things. But the thing that was new this year is the master class. And that was more or less, well, it was awesome, but more or less it was like a professional development for ukulele teachers. Yeah, you can think of it as like peer teaching yeah. day. For and it wasn't all specifically ukulele, hmm. but um, we covered all sorts of things like uh, tapping, Profession mm-hmm. techniques, uh, classroom behavior management, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but could you talk a little bit about what what made you start this master class? Where did it come from? Well, the master class basically comes from my uh, desire to step back a little bit and mm-hmm. let more voices um, in to this methodology. Because mm-hmm. you know, the, the, when we first started the the JHUI or Jahui as a lot of people call it. Um, this was eight years ago when we started, and um, within two or three years, people got to the end of our uh, program, and they were asking, what's next? You know, what, what, what is I level do? four? You know, mm-hmm. how, what do I do beyond uh, the program that you offer? Because they enjoyed it so much, and they enjoyed being with their peers. Mm-hmm. And I always said, I was very clear that there was no level four. <laughs> you know, th- 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 there wouldn't be a ton of value in me just standing up there again for another year telling people what they should do. You know, Mm -hmm. I I was genuinely tired of my own voice and I thought that it would be much more beneficial for people who had been through the program to come Mm -hmm. back and share the way that they use the material. And so that's where the masterclass came from. It's not me standing up there telling people what to do. It's um, students who have been through the program to various degrees coming back and sharing the way they do things and coming up with new perspectives on the material that I don't think I ever would have uh, Mm -hmm. discovered on my own. And for me, that's a real thrill to see people running with the ideas in their own way, in their own environments, and then bringing that uh, back to inspire all of us. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm. Um, I mean, where I am, I'm the only ukulele teacher. I'm the only music teacher in my school. So mm. it was really like the awesomest thing I could like hope for. It's like it I was teach, a big hit. Like, I teach regularly, and <laughs> you know, I can never really bounce ideas off people except online, and it's not. Yeah. It's not quite the same. Not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, a, a lot of people are wondering why they didn't sign up for it. I think it's kind of this, the word <laughs> is spreading within this uh, teacher community, like, wow, you got to come to the master class. And that's great. I mean, it yeah. was our first year, new experiment, but it was a, a real hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I mean, the name for me is a little intimidating, master class. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I expect, I mean, master classes happen with everything. It's not mm-hmm. a unique term, but I was thinking it's it's going to be such a high caliber thing. Mm-hmm. And in some way it was, 
but not in the sense that I was thinking, like, technically, like, am I able to play? Right, right. No, wait, no, that's, it really should be called, and it is technically called, a teaching masterclass, mm-hmm. which means that you get up there and you present a sequence of teaching yeah. that you have used or that you have developed. And then, <clears throat> because teaching is very much like a performance, mm-hmm. more so than we often um, realize. And so, um, you know, I have many, many teaching progressions in my repertoire mm-hmm. of, of teaching. And so I wanted people to come and not perform songs and or perform instrumentals and get feedback. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about it's like a pedagogy mm-hmm. mas- master class. You get yeah. up there and you demonstrate your teaching, and then we have a discussion mm-hmm. and feedback about, uh, you know, what was great and what could be improved. Yeah, I got great feedback, so it was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. Um, so beyond that, what in the ukulele world is new for you? Like what's what's been going on? Since the last time. Well, there's always stuff. I mean, for me, when I try to answer that question, I think of what are the new workshops that I'm developing? Because for Mm -hmm. me, whenever I want to learn something, I pretend that I'm going to teach it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether I ever do or not is another Mm -hmm. thing. But I prepare a handout or, Mm -hmm. you know, an outline as if I was going to teach something to a bunch of people and that's how I make sure that I'm learning it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it's like. Yeah. I mean, if you if you try to teach it and you don't really know it, then you'll it know. <laughs> so <Yes. clears throat> for me, <clears throat> I've been um, I've been playing. Um, I've been listening to more jazz actually, mm-hmm. and um, there are things about jazz. Many many things. I you see. I'm not a jazz player. I don't mm. think of myself as a jazz musician. I'm like a jazz tourist. Mm-hmm. I like to visit jazz and I like to spend a bit of time there. Um, but I wasn't born there. Mm-hmm. I'm not a native you know, jazz musician. Um, but I sure like to visit. And there are sounds in jazz that I, I love hearing, but I've never discovered how to make them on my own. Mm. And so things like altered scales, what to play over... Uh, you know, G7, flat nine, sharp five mm-hmm. chord, you know, th- things like that. They're, they're pretty geeky, I guess, but they're a little, you know, everybody's understanding of music is like Swiss cheese. I mean, <laughs> there's holes everywhere. Yes. Even, you know, even for me, you know, especially for me, you know, I, I'm I'm no different. And so um, <clears throat> I've been trying to fill some of those gaps um, mm-hmm. at this point in my life. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, even with the ukulele, it's like, with jazz chords, there's only so much you can do. Um, so, like, the one thing we were doing in uh, class <laughs> that you were leading is one half of the class would play four notes, mm-hmm. one chord, whatever it was, A7. I don't remember the exact ones. And then the other side of the class would play a completely different chord. That's right. But yeah. together it was eight notes. And you right. can do that with piano. You can do that with, to some extent, guitar, because there's at least six strings. Mm-hmm. But just the the clashing of certain notes, mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. This is the cutting edge of what I'm <clears throat> sort of experimenting with right now, because, you know, as you listen to more complex harmonic music, um, you start to think, well, gee, there's, like you say, there's only so much you can do with four strings. And mm-hmm. yes, you can imply certain voices that are not yeah. there. And sure, we could play a, a 
a five or a six note chord by leaving out certain mm -hmm. notes like the root or the fifth that maybe don't make a huge the contribution. Bass will play, yeah. Somebody yeah. else is going to play those notes. So <laughs> let me play the more interesting notes and let either the brain or the bass player fill those in. But, but that also has its limits. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, like you say, how about eight note chords? Mm -hmm. um, these really dense, beautiful, lush kind of harmonies. Are those simply off limits? for ukulele players? Or mm. do we have a shot at accessing some of those sounds? And and I've always thought that they were just off limits mm. until very recently when I started thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, if you think of a gigantic big chord like a, you know, major 13 or like <laughs> a like a dominant 13 sharp 11 or something, mm -hmm. something crazy and big yeah. that has seven or eight notes in it. Think of it like a totem pole mm -hmm. uh, with the the root and the third and the fifth and the seventh and the ninth and That's the eleventh and the thirteenth. Well, <clears throat> what if the bottom of that totem pole just happened to be a pretty easy to play chord? Mm -hmm. If you just take the bottom three or four notes, that might be something that beginners could play. Maybe mm -hmm. the bottom of that totem pole is just a C or a G7, mm -hmm. something they can do. And what's the top of that totem pole? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a chord that more intermediate players could play mm -hmm. halfway up the neck. And now we can, you know, with our powers combined, play one big, huge, crashing, clashing, cool. colorful, you know, harmony that we, as ukulele players, had kind of given up on, mm -hmm. uh, that we would never hear. And so that's, you know... Talk about. I mean, only thinking about this for like the last three or four days, so mm -hmm. it's pretty fresh. But you know, if um, for example, if I were to play, if if some beginners were to play like a C major seven chord, mm -hmm. that's a very easy chord to play. Yeah, you know, they play just one finger on the A string. Mm -hmm. That's as easy to play as any chord on the ukulele. And then uh, <clears throat> you know, they're they're playing C E G B. Mm -hmm. uh, what if I had, if I keep going up the totem pole, I would get um, D, F, A, C. Maybe I make a sharp the F to make it a sharp 11 so mm -hmm. it doesn't conflict with the E. So what do I have? What do I have left over on the top of that totem pole? D, F sharp, A, and C. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just a D7 chord. Yeah. Oh, well, I can do that. You know, and maybe I put it halfway up the neck so it, yeah. it sounds a bit more like uh, the right hand of the piano and it doesn't clash. Not it right doesn't on muddy top of each other. You know, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's a chord, you know, at the fifth fret that I think a lot of intermediate players can play. It's just mm -hmm. a bar on the fifth fret plus one extra note. Yeah. So now I've got this and this going simultaneously, which, <clears throat> you know, Starts to imitate the sound of the of those 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 really uh, dense piano voicings and why not you know wow why not yeah that's pretty awesome I never thought of that but I I mean one of the reasons I loved high G and I have two tunings specifically like two separate ukuleles you know one of the reasons I need so many is one's low G one's high G one of the reasons I always loved it is because that high G will clash mm. with the high A. Just a little bit, oh, yeah. especially if you're just playing a bar. I found it just to be just a little bit prettier mm -hmm. than a lot of low G bar chords. Yeah, for sure. But you get that friction mm -hmm. in, a, in a nice way. I love that sound too. And then if you're in an ukulele group, you know you can you have the problem of everybody strumming the same way, for example. Mm -hmm. And now you can break it up a little more if you know maybe not with too many people, but mm -hmm. you can have a fatter, fuller sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, cool. we all know the trick of, you know, playing the 
the same chord that your neighbor is playing, but in a different way, so that yeah. you're not just sitting right on top of one another in mm-hmm. terms of voicing, or or the um, or the lovely sound that comes when a C tuned ukulele is playing <laughs> with a D tuned ukulele, oh, yeah, yeah. and they're playing the same chord, mm-hmm. but they they necessarily have to play it in different voicings. Mm. That's a really nice blend. But oh, yeah. that's not getting into what I'm talking about mm-hmm. here. That's just different ways of playing the same chord yeah. or the same triad, the same, you know. Same notes f- in different places. That's right. What I'm talking about here is like sort of a polychord. Mm. You literally have one chord on top of another. Two separate chord charts. Two separate chords. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It'll, it'll Your feel chord really chart looks weird. different from mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. I Imagine if you're trying to sing a melody yeah. while playing just the top part of that totem pole. Mm-hmm. That's going to feel really weird. That's so. going to be tough. It's going to feel like the wrong chord. <laughs> it's going to feel. It's the art of playing the wrong chord at the right time. Mm. And I think that is something that I've, you know, just been. It's ex- not strange in the world of music, right? But it's it's kind of like it's it's pretty new to ukulele. I think. That's right. I think that's true. Yeah. It that's is not. Awesome. It is not strange in the wider world of music. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So building on this like new ukulele thing, this. Um, and we had a little bit of a taste of it. The, the ukulele hot springs happened recently that you were in charge of. Mm-hmm. And um, you did this thing where people had the music beforehand mm-hmm. and they had to learn it. And then you came and they're all different levels and you just practiced the music. It wasn't just learning the notes. Mm-hmm. But maybe you could explain a little bit better where that came from. What I don't you, know. That was pretty much the, it. What's the point? Like, why? why do we learn the music before? And I kind of know the answer, but uh, <laughs> like, why why would I learn the music and then go to a workshop where we just practice it if right. I know it already? Right. Uh, that's a good question, and the answer is uh, all too often in workshops that that I've given. You know, I'm as guilty as anybody, um, or that I see my peers giving. You know, we spend ninety percent of the time in a workshop just getting to first base. Kind of a crude analogy. Uh, but you're just figuring out, you know, what fret, what finger, all the very low level kind of information about mm-hmm. the piece. And you do that for 90% of the class, and then you're left with about 10% of the time where you can actually work on things that really bring the piece to life, mm-hmm. that, you know, that animate the piece, mm-hmm. things like tone and, and color and uh, voicing and um, phrasing, articulation. All the things that really are the beating heart of music um, are are sort of relegated to this tiny bit of time at the end, where mm-hmm. it, you know, because we spend all the time on the mechanics of music, and mm. sort of, I'd rather spend the time on the soul of the music and not so much time on the skeleton of the music. Mm-hmm. That's why it only makes it better when people have the music in advance. They, in the case of ukulele hot springs, they had the music for a month. Wow. To practice okay. their parts, to get the mechanics, to understand the skeleton, what finger, mm-hmm. what fret, what rhythm. <clears throat> so by the time they showed up, we literally hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And then our myself and my instructor team, we were able to fine-tune the, the, the aspects of music that we often don't have time to get to. Mm. Yeah, well, that's awesome. It's like... Um the thing that caught my eye at first was like, this is this is how orchestras do it. This is how concert bands do it. They pass mm-hmm. out the music. Um, sometimes they'll do like a playthrough the night they get the music. But basically, mm-hmm. you come to this rehearsal expected to know the music already. Right. It's not like 
Oh, so that's kind of incredible. It's like a, it's basically like the ukulele is evolving in a way. I may, maybe I it's don't know if catching it, up. I don't know because, <laughs> like you say, in the wider world to, of music, yeah. I, you know, this is not um, news. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're we're still a very young community. Yeah. We're a very young instrument with a very young community. And, and I don't mean that like we've got a bunch of teenagers. I mean, as <laughs> as a movement, this is still, we've got, um, we're just in the early f- stages of, mm-hmm. um, of understanding what the instrument can do and what's the, you know, what the potential of the instrument is. So, mm. I mean, the other thing we did at the Hot Springs that I really enjoyed was this um, orchestra workshop format uh-huh. where... When, when we were all together, there's a hundred and some of us, 110 or, or so, we were all together in the same room and we would bash through the piece mm-hmm. once that they'd you know, practiced on their own at home. And we'd bash through it. We called that the before picture. <laughs> so we'd just run through it, you know, warts and all. And, and then we would break out into workshops. And in a typical ukulele festival, when you break out into workshops... You know, the instructor will take one instructor will take the beginner group, mm-hmm. one one instructor will take an intermediate group, and and then there'll be an advanced group. But the what you're working on is not necessarily coordinated. The mm-hmm. beginners might work on, I don't know, how to play in the key of G. That's you know, here's some new chords. The mm-hmm. intermediates might work on, uh, here's how to uh, transpose a chord up the neck with a bar chord. You know. Mm-hmm. All good stuff. The advanced players might work on improvisation and playing the blues or something. Mm-hmm. Great, all good stuff, but totally disconnected Mm -hmm. in the in the uh, orchestra workshop format they went away into their own uh, workshop rooms and they they worked on their parts and through the parts our instructors were able to teach musicianship skills um, and the parts were designed so that the beginner part was at an appropriate level for them Mm -hmm. the intermediate part was at an intermediate level and so on but when we all came back together we could all perform together. Mm-hmm. All of the teaching was coordinated so that everyone, in th- at the end of the day, could participate in a sort of mass music-making experience. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought that went really well. I thought that, thought that was a big um, that was a big win. Mm. It sounds almost well because I love ukulele more. It sounds so much more amazing. But it sounds very similar to my experiences in concert and orchestras. Mm-hmm. It's just like everybody's working together. Um, I mean, most of the time you don't exactly break up. It's just like, go work on your piece next week. Mm-hmm. You better get it. You know? yeah. Or, um, or, you know, in orchestras that I've been in, you know, you'll just sit quietly while they work on the trombones exactly, for a while. Yeah. And, or maybe you'll, <laughs> you know. I play percussion. So okay. there's so much sitting. There's so much waiting. Right? <sighs> it's like being a, it's like being an extra on a mm-hmm. movie set. Yeah. <laughs> Poor I better not miss my hit when it comes up. Yeah, that's right. Nobody wants to practice Sitting around that. most of the day, you know. But boy, is it ever important when you know when that bass drum comes. That's in. right. It better be there. Or the crash. Oh, yeah. I think I would always miss crashes, but <laughs> never miss the bass drum because no. that's you know. Yeah. Hitting something's always fun. <laughs> anyway. Wow. So that's cool. It's evolving. That's that's something I'm always I'm always interested in. It's almost like it doesn't necessarily need to be taken more seriously. Uh, it's yeah. probably beyond that. Maybe not in some people's minds. Um, but just the fact that it's like, it's like more concretely getting into serious music making. Not that it so. hasn't been, but you know, I I don't know whether to be apologetic about that or not because mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if maybe I'm, maybe these efforts are just you know, 
are uh, I don't know ruining the fun of it. <laughs> I, I maybe maybe they are. I maybe for I some really people. don't think so. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't fun for me. Mm-hmm. There are aspects of this that are really fun. Um, if you think that making music is fun, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it can be maybe a little more work, but it's not really work if you love the music. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's always going to be a place, you know, at Ukulele Hot Springs on the first night after our rehearsals, we had a big, good old fashioned jam, and mm-hmm. we just played jambalaya and we played wagon wheel. I mean, there's always going to be a place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if nobody signed up for Ukulele Hot Springs, you know, I think that would be a message. But it was sold out. Right? <laughs> it was sold out in like a week, so it, that would be a real clear message that you know, no people don't want this. People just want to play wagon wheel, and that's fine. And you know, <laughs> I would take the hint. But when the thing like that sells out in a week, you're like, mm-hmm. there clearly there's uh, a growing appetite mm-hmm. for more and different musical experiences. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to see that. I mean, the accessibility of the ukulele is basically unmatched, really. I'd say so. I mean, there's things that are easier to get, maybe easier to play, but just not quite the same. Mm. So, um, you already talked about like what you're playing um, in terms of like jazz and this whole orchestral experience. Is there anything you're like struggling with in your technique that you've been trying to work on? Yeah, I mean, I'm always struggling with something. Um, <clears throat> I mean, when I did the duets for one book. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to get this idea of the two parts um, that have independent rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, so that one part would have a steady pulsing kind of chordal accompaniment, and then there'd be a syncopated melody mm-hmm. over top of that. Unlike most um, chord melody arrangements where the harmony and the melody move in lockstep yeah. rhythmically. So I was trying to separate the two a little bit more like the left hand and the right hand of a piano, mm-hmm. you know, where they have an independent... Or two separate instruments. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and I've continuously struggled with keeping that illusion convincing mm. because, I mean, the most d- difficult part of that is letting one note ring mm-hmm. while you're trying to, you know, keep a chord going and something like this, it would be easy on the piano. Mm-hmm. You would just ding one note with your right hand and hold it down, and then mm-hmm. just play some, you know, sort of chords in the in the left yeah. hand, just with a completely independent touch. Mm-hmm. You know? And playing chord melody on the piano, not to put it down or anything. I mean, I, I love piano. It's a great mystery to me, to me how piano works and how people keep all that straight in their minds. But but the one thing you can say about the piano is that there's a ton of real estate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of elbow room. Yeah. And there's a, the parts <clears throat> have their own have their own domains, and they don't yeah. necessarily, you know, have to live on top of one Many another. Many octaves. For, yeah, that's right. For that's each fine. You know, like <laughs> playing playing a chord melody piece on the piano is like you know going to the park and sort of playing frisbee with your friends. You know, so it's like go long. You know, it's yeah. like lots of room to roam and run. And, and playing chord melody like that on a, on ukulele is more like you know playing frisbee with your friends in a phone booth. <laughs> you know it's, it's not it, easy you're, you're right on top of one another and so like hey move your foot i need to put my hand there you know so the, doing this in a very very compact space mm-hmm. is a kind of i have to admit it's kind of a fun challenge you know mm-hmm. so. awesome 
So, um, one thing I was recently dealing with a, a baritone, a Pono baritone, it just basically fell in my lap. Mm. Obviously, I bought it. It didn't fall out of the sky. But um, I brought it to this ukulele workshop, mm-hmm. and um, it's been a challenge because obviously it's made for tenor, G-C-E-A. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many D6-tuned ukuleles, and they have to deal with the tuning down and kind of relearning that. But I've noticed that um, it's kind of a nice challenge in that if I go to the fifth fret and bar it, it's the exact same tuning as a tenor. Mm. If I go to the third string open on a baritone, it's the lowest possible string on an ukulele. Mm-hmm. You know, without the crazy exceptions like tuning it down to F or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I noticed it's kind of a a comforting extra bit of space. And it wasn't actually too overwhelming. Looking at it and thinking about it um, technically was kind of a lot. Like, I have to relearn things. I can play an F. It won't be an F, right? Because I'm used to it being F, not mm-hmm. C. Mm-hmm. But I notice when I play it, it's all, it was a lot easier than I thought to just <laughs> figure out where I am. Because I kind of knew the whole fretboard already, except mm-hmm. for these four extra frets. Um, do you play baritone a lot? I do, yeah. How do you think it compares to tenor? Well, I I wanted more... I guess I wanted more power in the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually um, <laughs> not really learned the fretboard on the baritone. I think partly on purpose because I know the fretboard of the tenor so well, I kind of wanted a an escape from that. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted a bit of an escape from knowing what was going to happen all the time. Uh-huh. I, I think I'm at, I'm kind of at the point with the tenor where I can I can hear it before I play it. I know mm. what I know what's going to happen next. So that's you know partly I play the baritone in regular tuning although with the high uh, D. Okay. So I I play sort of in that reentrant mm-hmm. baritone tuning. But I also have a tuning that I love which is B E B E with the high B. So it's like high B low E high B, high E. Mm. So the two E's are an octave apart, but the B's are in unison. Mm -hmm. Well, this, you know, all your chord shapes are out the window. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I liked that. I really found it refreshing to not know what I was doing and Mm -hmm. and had to sort of learn a new system of tuning um, that really wasn't conducive to playing the chords that I normally play. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those many things that over the years has brought me back to the to ukulele mm-hmm. when I felt like I'd hit a plateau. Mm. Like one thing was claw hammer ukulele. Yeah. Another thing was campanella mm. ukulele. Um, some of the teaching things that I've done have brought me back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing the baritone, Oh, another thing was jazz ukulele. Mm-hmm. Uh, and playing the baritone in a totally new tuning for me was one of those things that re uh, refreshed me. And mm. so I that's sort of the way I play it. Awesome. Yeah, I can definitely relate with that feeling of like not knowing what you're doing. Mm. Um, is that tuning the one you did the, uh, Voodoo Child with? No, on Voodoo Child, I actually played in standard tuning with an ultra low fourth string okay it's a standard tuning but 
instead of like a low D, it's like a low G. Okay. It's just like this wickedly low yeah. fourth string that's so low that it just wonks out. And if mm-hmm. you if you look at one point in the video, I'm bending a string, and the fourth string is like an inch over the past the edge of the <laughs> of the uh, fretboard. It's just kind of a terrible idea, but it had this wonky, distorted sound that I really liked. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's you know, I'm so gonna that, have to look for that now. Ha- have a look. <laughs> yeah, <you'll laughs> I've seen I mean. the video. It's pretty awesome. Thanks. Um, but now I'm gonna have to look for yeah, that. Look again. Yeah. So speaking of ukuleles, I realized today that you sand your ukulele neck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad you said what? ukulele neck because. When when you tell people that James Hill sands his neck, that just sounds <laughs> wrong. It's the ukulele neck, mm-hmm. not my neck. Yeah, I I just really like this the feeling of the wood and not the varnish on the neck okay. as I'm moving up and down. And what I mean, you sanded it today. I let you sand my neck. Yeah, I was that was kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like I'm attacking it. So, do you have to do it often? Oh uh, yeah, maybe couple of weeks okay so it's a, weeks. it's a good trick if i need a smoother neck yeah just take um, a bit of sandpaper to it, it definitely did feel nicer after i yeah you, i mean I you picked it up it. and you felt right away you were like oh this is really rough mm-hmm. and then i passed you the sandpaper because yeah. i hadn't done it for a while and yeah. it's just this really satiny smooth uh, mm-hmm. finish on it when you do awesome. that well james hill thank you for uh chatting with me you're welcome Well, there you have it. That's our show for this month. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that was helpful for you. It certainly was for me. And um, I love being able to spend time with other ukulele players and teachers and just share knowledge and inspiration. And that's really what this is all about. Um, To close out our show, I'm going to share with you a song James played for me, Georgia On My Mind, from his recent Duets for One book. But first, I have a really big question to ask you. Please consider supporting me with a one-time or a recurring donation. If you really believe in this work that I'm doing of building an educational ukulele archive with audio, um, you can join my official podcast community, and uh, your support really does go a long way. You can think of it as like supporting an NPR station or cheaper than a Netflix subscription and it helps by getting me gear upgrades or traveling places that I need to record. It also helps by subsidizing costs of education in terms of becoming a better podcaster and uh, it also helps pay for production time. It takes a lot of work and creative energy to put this together and um just something as simple as the price of coffee really does go a long way in making this bigger and better and uh, a viable endeavor for me really so i really hope that you enjoy it and you're getting a lot out of it i know i am enjoying creating this for you but um yeah just ask take a little extra step whatever it is whether it's sharing this episode or this podcast with a friend or if it's actually contributing something financial and substantial to me. Um, I'm really grateful for you spending your time here. And um, yeah, whatever it is that you do, just make sure you're carrying that aloha spirit that uh, we're all so lucky to be a part of. So I've rambled too much by now. Again, I can't thank you enough for 
taking a part in this and making this possible. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you next time. Aloha.